Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Showdown Joe, we are live again. Yeah, what's up everybody? August 8th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferrar. Make sure you give us all a follow here. You can follow me online via social media at Showdown Joe. Of course, the infamous legend, Sean Ross Sapp. You can follow him online at Sean Ross Sapp. We are live. A bunch of things to discuss as this is, I guess this is the kickoff, Sean, uh, to the big, the biggest combat sports fight of all time. It's going to be, in my opinion, it'll break pay-per-view records. Uh, I think mass, mass media, mass mainstream will be following it as we get closer. Pa- or- Conor McGregor, um, Floyd Mayweather, uh, lots to talk about with Conor McGregor uh, and Paulie, pardon the Italian uh, lingo here, Malinagi. Um, a lot of beef there coming out of there because uh, Paulie was over there sparring as part of the training camp, no longer is. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about Ronda Rousey, who apparently has a big announcement to make via her website. Will it be the fact that she's coming back to mixed martial arts? Is she going to professional wrestling? We'll break that down for sure. Uh, The cast for the Ultimate Fighter 26 has been announced. We already know who the coaches are. We will get into that momentarily. Sean's probably got some insight. Oh, Uh, oh, yeah, and some of the fighters there. John Jones says he wants to work with with his arch nemesis, Daniel Cormier. Is he being genuine about that? We'll get into that as well. Randa Marcos wants to appeal uh, the decision loss that she had uh, in Alexa Grasso's home country pretty much hometown per se if you want to say that uh she wants to appeal it uh does she have a shot we'll discuss that as well there are women's flyweight fights coming believe it or not they're coming and of course a long layoff for the ufc we're probably not going to see some action for quite some time because all hands will be on deck focusing uh on their prodigy their pride and joy their number one pay-per-view draw at the moment conor mcgregor as he takes on floyd floyd mayweather it's august 8th sean that fights august 26th Holy yeah. smokes, we got some time. And uh, really, the only thing, th- there isn't a lot of high-level MMA between now and then even. We have we do have a couple things. We have my boy, Ben Sargent's going to headline uh, a Bellator MMA Bass Pro Shops NRA Night Race show. Love it. But um, also, we have Koreshkov in Jaquani in a couple of weeks. It's got Brendan Ward, Fernando Gonzalez, AJ McKee, Kara Kanyan. Uh, Chris Honeycutt, Kevin Casey. There are some. There are no names that hop off 
the page there. But that, that that's a card that's coming up soon. I'm talking to a lot of people from that over the next week. So, uh, yeah, there, there are a couple things. But really, we got a month-long break for the UFC, all leading up to Mayweather-McGregor and really Tough 26. Yeah, and of course, I got Titan FC uh, on August uh, 19th or 18th, I believe, in a couple of weeks. I leave on the Wednesday. Uh, the event's on the Friday night. So uh, you want to get your MMA fix, make sure you've got UFC Fight Pass. Yours truly will be doing the play-by-play alongside Kamara Usman, uh, who calls himself the best grappler in the UFC welterweight division. We'll get some insight from him, especially with this fight coming up soon. Uh, so yeah, there's some MMA there. There's, there's you know... The Contender Series, Dana White's Contender Series, that's getting some sort of love. Um, I don't know anybody that that knows about it outside of hardcore MMA fans or hardcore UFC fans, but it is getting some love, some good fights on there. Um, contracts have been handed out. Uh, it's only going to run for, I think, what is it, eight more weeks, Sean, or six more weeks? Do you know? Sorry, what was it? I lost you there for a second. The, uh, the Dana White Contender Series? It's only got yeah, six weeks to go. It's got a, yeah, a few more weeks to go. Uh, I think, by the way, I want to say Paul Felder, he is an impressive broadcaster. He is a very good broadcaster. That's another ace they have uh, up their sleeve in the hole. I don't know what the hell the term is, but he's another guy. Like They've got Daniel Cormier. They have Dominic Cruz, and now they have Paul Felder, too. Yeah, Felder's fantastic, but I think a lot of people are losing out to how awesome Paul Felder is because they're listening to the Snoopcast with Snoop and, and Uriah Faber just making an absolute mockery of commentary. It's actually good. It's actually kind of funny. Um, and I, I like you know when, when, when Snoop loses his marbles when something exciting happens, uh, Uriah's a little bit more calm. They're both kind of calm because they're well, at least one's high. Uh, but yeah, I think it's fun. I think it's a great concept that the, that the UFC has, and they've always maintained from a, from a very, very long time ago that digital is the way to go. Online television is the way to go. People will have their own choices to determine sooner or later when the only thing available aren't necessarily these cable companies, but what's available online. You can have a smart TV uh, to, to subscribe and broadcast things and watch things. So I think uh, the UFC was ahead of the curve on that, but it's not exactly cheap to have Fight Pass uh, when you compare if, if all these other stations and products decide to have their own content. But that's nonetheless neither here nor there. Pauli Malinaji. Um <laughs> Spent some time over in Ireland uh, and was, it's, I guess you could say, critical after leaving the Conor McGregor training camp. He's, he 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 tries to I get if you kind of pay attention to what he's saying here or there, he's trying to keep the beef simmering or kind of squash the beef, but he's not afraid to voice his opinion. Um, he says where the where the sparring partners are. are being housed that's in a dilap- it was a quote it was a dilapidated neighborhood uh not exactly the best place to house you know he's like look man Conor McGregor's making 100 million dollars for this fight you could you could do a lot better for your sparring partners you got plenty of money a lot of yes men in Conor McGregor's corner which I, doesn't surprise me whatsoever uh they want to keep his confidence high Paulie is saying that he should have more people in his corner that will correct the mistakes that he's making and obviously some uh you made a big point about the fact that Paulie on I think it was on Saturday night you mentioned that or Sunday morning, that, you know, don't be surprised if the people that are the only people allowed taking photographs are McGregor's people, and the photographs that are shown online is you on your butt with McGregor standing over you during sparring. I mean, lots to dissect there, Sean. Yeah, and there's so much, like, so much of it, I believe. I believe that he thinks that it is at least his truth. It may not be the truth, but it's his truth. There were things like he was saying, like, they, they put me practically in a crack house. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it. Oh, I didn't get paid. Well, you're probably going to get paid. I don't think they're going to bring him there and not pay him. From the beginning, like, it was, 
you know, he had said stuff like, what happens in camp stays in camp. He has been on a two-week-long media tour giving the rundown on Conor McGregor's stuff. Do I believe it was a push that, that put Mali Nagy down? I, I don't know. And to be honest with you, I don't care. I don't care. I really don't give a shit. But, like, he comes off really – I know one thing. He's fighting again. He ain't retired no matter what he says. He's getting a fight with somebody, whether it's Conor McGregor or somebody else, because at this point, even though he's had a lot of, he's had a lot of really big fights, Joe, and those within the boxing community have often wondered, was it his mouth that got him the fights? His mouth might get him another fight, whether it's with Conor McGregor or not. It, it's probably not going to be. No, I don't. But, I, I sincerely don't. It's, it's not going to be Conor McGregor. But what do, what do you, what was your take on all this? Um, you know, in life, sometimes you've either got to prevent the fire or you've got to fight the fire. So is he preventing a fire from getting bigger or is he or, or fighting a fire that's already there or that he's created and now he's trying to put it out? It seems like the McGregor camp is only doing so much. Um, you you kind of have to know what you're getting into with these big fights. Uh, there are eagles involved. Um, you know, whether it's Conor McGregor, his staff, his training camp, his management. It's a big fight, man. You, you don't get there necessarily uh, by being humble. You, you got to be brash, and, and that spills over into a lot of what Conor McGregor does. So, Paulie should have, I guess, knew or should have known what he was getting into. Um, I guess he's also potentially a proud individual. I'm playing devil's advocate here, Sean, as you can tell. Um, was he just simply being? Is, is he being a humble guy? He's like, look, man, I had all the best intentions in the world. Unfortunately, I don't play by those rules. Blah blah. Or did you actually get your ass whooped? And now you're like, damn. This guy's, you know, I got to protect my, my brand here. There, well, Mally Nuggie said that Connor surprised him in a couple of situations, but then he also made it, he was making up a lot of excuses like, oh, it was right after I got off a plane. Like, did you expect like a three day grace period, dude? Nobody expects uh, somebody to spar 12 getting, getting off or, or, or nobody expects uh, an opponent to spar 12, uh, just the fighter. This, this ain't your normal boxing camp, Polly. Like, I, I don't know what you expected going into Conor McGregor training for the greatest boxer, defensive boxer at the very least of all time. But it, does it, I don't get it. Like, man, I don't get that he didn't get it. Like, I would expect a tiger jumping through hoops and all kinds of weird shit if I were going into a Conor McGregor, like, boxing training camp. You don't expect the norm. Like, what was he expecting coming in? Like them to play rock, paper, scissors or something? No, not necessarily. I think uh, uh, by the sounds of it, and we're not getting much from Connor's side per se. Uh, I mean, this is also, I mean, even, even Paul has said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give up more information uh, later on. I'll talk more about this uh, when the time comes. But right now, I, I wish Connor and his camp the very best. I, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, like, I mean, we got Justin H in the forum right now or on the live chat saying, please, no more McGregor, Paulie. This. This whole fight is such a charade. Well, it's unfortunately, Justin, it is going to be the biggest fight of all time. So we kind of need to talk about it as much of a quote unquote charade as it may be. We need to talk about it because everyone is going to be talking about this. There's no point in talking about anything else because really people want to know as much as they can. They want to consume (laughs) as much about this fight as possible. Joe, the combat sports world canceled everything (laughs) in in advance of this. Like, yeah, it's nothing. SummerSlam is the biggest combat sports event happening before this, and that's a WWE event. Like that is the the, and that ain't combat sports. 
Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. a there's a UFC layoff. I mean, we're sitting here, and you know, even even I'm sitting here sometimes working on my own, thinking about holy smokes, like, you know, what are we going to talk about for the next two weeks other than McGregor and Mayweather? I mean, are there going to be headlines out there? Thankfully, there are some. Joe, I had to move your column that you wrote last week. Like, I haven't published it yet because I'm like, shit, we we need all the MMA content we can get for this week and next week, like. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. Like, uh, by the way, guys, yeah, it looks like you'll get a, a double or triple dose of Joe whenever that runs. But yeah, Carlos Torres saying, have you met with Paulie and talked to him a few weeks back? He acted like he was analyzing a straight up boxing match, not a circus. And Paulie should have expected a circus in training camp. Yeah. Lead boxing writer Carlos Toro, who hopefully will be joining us after that fight, unless, unless he's there. Uh, but Olay Samuel Olay says Connor needs a higher <laughs> coach than that he can boxing. Well, let's let's transition right into that. Uh, coach Edmund ain't going to be coaching much of anybody for a while. Anybody notable? Uh, Ronda Rousey. Here, here's the story I wrote. It's an exclusive up on Fightful.com. I was told today by a WWE employee that uh, Rousey spoke to Triple H and set up her appearance at the May Young Classic. For those of you who don't know what the May Young Classic is. It is an all-women's tournament that they taped, uh, I believe, late last month, or maybe in the middle of last month. I don't know. It runs in a few weeks. Shayna Baszler is featured prominently in this tournament. Also there were Jessamyn Duke, who, as we reported last week, training for a pro wrestling debut, something your boy's been nagging her to do for four or five years. I was like in Jessamyn's ear when she was in Kentucky saying, you should give this a go. So Shayna is deep in the MMA. Uh, Marina Shafir, the other four horsewoman, is uh, going to be married to a prominent NXT, WWE NXT wrestler. So they were all there to support Shayna Baszler. Uh, according to my sources, WWE had referred Rousey to train with Brian Kendrick, who is a current WWE superstar and runs a school in Southern California, the Santino Brothers Wrestling School. Uh, there was also a lot of buzz backstage at the tournament that Jessamine and Ronda would be starting training soon. I don't know anything about Marina, although I don't think it's that far-fetched of an idea. She never made the splash in MMA that that uh, many had hoped or expected. And like I said, she is getting married to a pro wrestler. Uh, we I know that Ronda Rousey has done a little bit of stuff. She's taken some at least very basic bumps and very basic stuff, but... Like, I mean, the marriage of Ronda Rousey and pro wrestling has been there for a while, Joe. She appeared at WrestleMania 31. She, The Horsewomen were at SummerSlam 2014. Jessamine and Ronda were at an AIW event in Cleveland uh, to help crown Shayna as a champion. That was the weekend CM Punk fought. So uh, this wrestling company brought in, like, Ronda, Jessamine, Shayna, Matt Riddle, Dan Severn, and kind of piggybacked off of that. And Rhonda has been teasing a, quote, big announcement on her website. Now, I don't know if this has anything to do with the pro wrestling situation. I haven't been told that one way or another. But, yeah, uh, she's at least entertaining the idea of pro wrestling. I, you know what? If, if The more I think about this, and again, it's, it's you know, we're, we're, we're sort of net, we're, we're directing our minds towards WWE for Ronda Rousey because the more I think about Ronda Rousey returning to MMA, I don't see it happening. 
I don't see it happening. I don't think she wants to. Um, you know, she, she's all about big fights, and I don't see her wanting to get anywhere near uh, the top contenders at 135 pounds. And Chris Cyborg is now a champion at 145 pounds. I think she wants to stay away from that. And I've maintained it from day one. And I, I did my very best back in the day when Ronda Rousey was in her prime not to ever be cynical about a Ronda Rousey victory and how awesome she looked in those performances and how dominant, Sean, she looked in those performances. My issue was always like, listen, congratulations, Ronda. Fantastic. You're you know winning very, very well. But you got to fight Chris Cyborg some way, somehow. I know you're different weight classes, but she's the baddest woman in MMA, not Ronda Rousey. It just so happened that the UFC mass marketing PR machine got behind behind a Ronda Rousey, who is uh, a beautiful blonde woman, speaks English, mm-hmm. easy to promote, as opposed to a Brazilian who speaks mainly Portuguese, has a thicker accent, and maybe a bit more difficult to promote on the late show, on the early morning uh, talk shows. Um, and of course, there were so many different things between the UFC and, and, and Cyborg that they just couldn't meet. But I mean, the UFC could have always had the Mike Tyson of women's MMA uh, as part of their roster way back when. They just couldn't come to, to agreement up until now. Right, so I don't think Ronda Rousey really wants to come back to MMA just yet per se, because I mean now that Cyborg's here, I think the UFC waited long enough to say, okay, you know what, with Ronda Rousey now gone, now we can come to more terms with with Chris Cyborg. Ronda Rousey going to professional wrestling to me would be fantastic. Good for her. Make your money. You already made lots of money. Make more. I think that it would be a smart move. A lot of people, you have a lot of naysayers in pro wrestling that are like. Uh, she'll get the Brock Lesnar push, and she'll be a part-timer. Yeah, she should be. She should be an attraction. She should be special. It's working pretty well for Brock Lesnar and WWE right now. The match at SummerSlam is one of my most anticipated matches in years. They're just throwing him in there with three really big, tough sons of bitches, one of which threw an office chair at the face of the other one last night. I don't know <laughs> if you saw that pop across your timeline, Joe. No, I <laughs> saw something come up with Brock Lesnar killing three people pretty much. Yeah, that, that happened as well. That also Holy happened. smokes. I feel – oh, my God. Wrestling is crazy. Sorry, We're calling ahead. it the Big Beef Battle 4-Way. Um, we got to get some sort of sponsorship of the hot dog company for, for that naming right. But, like, they're, they're, they're making it very – they're making it a very good go of it. And I think Ronda Rousey, especially with her background in judo, could translate to that exceptionally well. Ronda Rousey knows throws that a lot of pro wrestlers will never have dreamed of. She practically invented a new hip toss. Well, she says she did against Triple H on the fly when he was there. I guess he took a step a a little off from what she was expecting and had to adjust and had to do like an underhook hip toss. But uh, I'm all for it. I think it's good. Also all for Shayna Baszler, Jessamine Duke doing pro wrestling. Marina remains to be seen. I haven't seen enough out of Marina in the cage to really decide if she would be good there. Why I'm you know, so keen on Jessamine and Shayna, Shayna is a big catch wrestler. In my opinion, catch is catch can wrestling. And you know, I'm, I am one of the few things you'll see me biased about. Catch is catch can wrestling built my foundation uh, for pro wrestling. To me, if you can have a match with no ropes and no turnbuckle, you're, you're hardly ever going to be lost. And a lot of people forget that Jessamine and Shayna have also been training with Josh Barnett for a couple of years. Also, Jessamine Duke's got that whole six-foot-tall woman thing going on. That's not going to hurt her at all. Uh, that's that's a very good thing to have. 
Uh, Ronda Rousey, I think, would transition very well, even if it were part-time. You could run five-minute matches with her, and they would feel huge. But Now, in terms of Ronda Rousey, though, she's a professional, so obviously a judoka by trade, mixed mar- professional mixed martial arts, world champion in the UFC. If you had the opportunity to decide what would her finishing move be or look like, what would it be? Oh, it's got to be an arm bar. It's, it's nothing but the arm bar. What about the setup? Because usually everyone has a setup. Well, that, that's the thing. So Diamond Dallas Page, who we, we have on the list and your boy fairly often. You, you've seen the old RKO out of nowhere, right? Yep. The Diamond Cutter was that without the jump. And Diamond Dallas Page was the best at hitting the Diamond Cutter out of nowhere. Like, he would put you on his shoulders, throw you into it. The arm bar, Joe, come on, you know there's a million setups to that. And we've seen her employ a ton of them in uh, MMA, like a flying arm bar. That's a good one. Flying arm bar is the first thing that comes to mind. I mean, when when I ran a match against my catch wrestling coach and we wanted to sell the arm, a lot of people in attendance knew that I had a legit arm injury. The first move he did in that match was throw me in a flying arm bar to, to put out the threat of, I can break his arm at any given moment if I need to, so you better pay attention. It's got to be the arm bar, but I'm sure she'll have some nice – she's got a plethora of hip throws to go to as well. I'm looking forward to it. I I really am. You know, it's it's, it's, – not that you or Jimmy Van accuse me of not watching uh, WWE or wrestling in general. To me, it's more or less of um, a time thing. You know, do I have time to sit down and watch it? Because sometimes when I start watching things, Sean, and everyone in the live chat, thank you, everyone, by the way, in the live chat, um, I get invested. So I can't just sit there and all of a sudden watch Raw and then not watch SmackDown, then not, then not watch everything that is pro wrestling. I need to just immerse myself, right? <laughs> so, I mean, my six-and-a-half-year-old now is so – I can't believe it. He's so into F1 racing. Really? So now I'm back into F1. I used to be an F1 fan when I was a kid. He loves F1. Obviously, with the last name being Ferraro, he's a favorite. He loves Ferrari, so he's got to watch Ferrari. He hates Mercedes. He curses Mercedes on the road. Uh, You're not going to see many Ferraris on the road. But you see what I'm saying? And now I'm I'm deep into F1. Uh, Soccer season is starting uh, overseas. Got to watch that. So it's not that I don't want to watch professional wrestling. I do. But if Ronda Rousey is in there, it's going to grab my attention. So if it's going to grab my attention, I think it's going to grab a lot of other people's attention. Yeah, the marriage between MMA and pro wrestling, I mean, more names than anybody could ever think of. It, Pride especially, really, which it didn't – Pride didn't do New Japan any favors because you had all these pro wrestlers go out there get their asses kicked. But Brock Lesnar, Ken Shamrock, CM Punk, Lashley, Severn, uh, even Batista, Sakuraba, Giant Silva, Daniel Pewter, Bart Gunn. Like there, there are hundreds. I, I could probably name over a hundred guys that have made that transition and done one or the other. Few better than a Matt Riddle or a Brock Lesnar or a Bobby Lashley, but I think Ronda Rousey still has enough with her. And you, Joe, you're always going to have those people, those idiots that are like, she couldn't cut it in the MMI. She couldn't cut it. Yeah. Besides all those records she set and becoming a top five draw of all time. Yeah, that one too. But they said that about Brock Lesnar too. And look at him. He's doing just fine now, and the UFC wants him. So, Do you think Brock Lesnar will be returning to mixed martial arts the UFC in 2018? Yeah, next summer. That's what I said that a few weeks ago, and 
then everybody picked it up and said that somebody else said it. So, uh, oh, are you surprised, Sean Rossap? No, I'm waiting for that for the Rousey thing too. It's part. It's part of it. It is. It is part of it. I can't even tell you um, how many things that you know. All you have to do is go back, find find one of my old YouTube channels, and take a look at some of the features that I used to do, um, and and now go to across so many other websites. Like, oh, they do that. Oh, hey, UFC Tonight does that. Oh, hey, look yeah. at that. It's just it's just part of the game. It is what it is. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I mean, Let's hey, hey, we we aggregate a lot of content. That's it's just a necessary. I don't want to say an evil. It's necessary in today's news landscape, especially for a young site like us. But a little credit. We we always give credit. Yes, that's a thing. Give credit because <laughs> I don't want any lawsuits, plagiarism, all that BS. Um, before be- before before we move on to another topic, I wanted to mention this. Because it was a topic that somebody had asked me about. Bob Sapp. Yep. He got hit again. He fell down again. We know the score, Joe. We know he's throwing fights. I ain't mad at him, though. But it looks like he's living pretty comfortably. He's 40-something. He is going to places without athletic commissions where he can't get suspended. He's getting paid his probably minimum of $10,000, getting hit once, falling over. And he said as much on an Ariel Hawani podcast a couple of years ago. Like, I, I I don't have any I don't have bad memory. I don't like I don't have headaches. I'm doing fine. Yeah. Hey, man. If that's the path that you choose to pursue, do it by all means. I remember Big John uh, telling us a story. I'm trying to remember which course it was. It was the ref or the judging course, but he said he's never seen a a man more scared to compete in mixed martial arts than Bob Sapp. Legit yeah. petrified every time he fought. Isn't that weird? Do you remember him from the longest yard? Yeah, yeah. And that, that seemed like like he's a, he's a very smart dude. Like if you hear him talk and you've never heard him talk, you'd be like, really? Yeah, he's smart. He's a he's a smart cookie. Don't, yeah, yeah, he you're has, right. He has like most one of the most distinguished accents I've ever heard in my entire life. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to talk to him, you'd be like. Hello, Sean Ross Sapp. I, it's a pleasure to speak to you this evening. And I'm like, what? The heck? Yeah. Yeah. No, I got you. Listen, before we, uh, it would have been an easy transition uh, for those that have ever done podcasting, radio, television. Sometimes you need to segue, and it's easy to segue when you're talking Ronda Rousey right to the tough uh, 26 yeah. cast. But I'm going to break that segue. We're going to take a little fork off the road, take a little U-turn when we need to. Um, Luke Rockhold says Michael Bisping should have been stripped of the middleweight title, or the UFC should strip him of the middleweight title, and Michael Bisping went off. I am on the side of Michael Bisping here. What about you? Yeah, I'm on Bisping's side. That's easy to say to a guy who hasn't fought in a, over a year. Like, what, 14 months? Rockhold, Rockhold get, if he gets in the cage and fights, I'll be able to listen to him a little bit more. But Bisping should have fought tougher competition. I'll flat out say that. Like, his title run has been a farce. His title win was not a farce. Like, there, there's nothing wrong with his title win. But uh, Michael Bisping being put in there, put in there with guys who probably shouldn't be competing for that title in uh, Dan Henderson and GSP, that's a little questionable, yeah. But he, he earned the title. He defended the title. It hasn't been like a year or anything. Like he hadn't been sidelined to the point to where if he got sidelined right now, 
maybe strip him. Maybe strip him. But I, I don't know how you can do that either. What are you going to do? Promote Robert Whitaker to undisputed champion and then establish another interim champion? So that's that's where I'm, what I'm well, trying to get at here. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, they've done that once yeah. <laughs> with the featherweight title, but. So the whole thing with that is, so I, can you really fault Michael Bisping, who said, yeah, I'm going to fight GSP. I'm ready to fight GSP. And that whole GSP thing didn't happen. GSP en- ends up getting surgery, can't compete till October. Now this fight's going to take place. In the meantime, there's the interim title fight uh, with Whitaker um, and Romero. Whitaker becomes a champ. Whitaker was asked if he would like to, do, like to be a coach on the Ultimate Fighter. And he mm-hmm. said, look, I haven't seen my kids in quite some time. It's not like I live in the States. I live 24 hours away. Now you're asking me to be away from my family again. Yeah, we can do it, but here's what I'm asking you guys to do for me. And the UFC said, nope, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it. So now Whitaker was also asked, man, look, man, you're the interim champ. You won the belt, and shortly thereafter, GSP and Bisping is on again. And he felt, you, you, I don't know if you could tell, but he was just kind of like, well, the UFC is going to do whatever the hell they want to do. I love that Robert Redeker was like, hey, listen, I love my kids, but for the right amount, they can eat shit. I did. <laughs> <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted them to bring, wanted to bring the kids he over. Did. He did. I, mean, I, just, I just wanted to drop that line. Um, yeah, he, he said he would have had to pull them out of school, like all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, understandable. But you know what? Had he accepted that, I would have looked at that and said, appropriate for Ultimate Fighter. A couple of guys who were hurt at the time. I like that. If you got a couple guys that are on the shelf, that's who I'd put on tough. But I am okay with the Gaith G uh, Alvarez thing too because July to early December, I'm not hating on that. I can I can do that. Plus, you know, all these people were like, "Let's get Justin right back in the in the cage," and I'm like, "Whoa, let's slow down a little bit, man." That guy took some trauma. I, the, the more I thought of it was the fact that we know that he's going to be out for a while. Whitaker would have been a fantastic coach. Yeah, he would have been. Right? And he's that's the thing. They saw those bad, bad, bad pay-per-view numbers. And, you know, plenty of that wasn't his fault. I mean, they couldn't have expected big ones out of that. Because the, the the main event got pulled the day of. And I had somebody saying, oh, it, it won't affect it that much. Yeah, it is going to affect it that much because – there are a lot of people who buy that show on the last day and make that decision on the last day and say, you know what, we're going to watch this fight tonight. And they hear that one of the main eventers is out, the main eventer that a million people a million people bought to watch destroy Ronda Rousey a few months before. That's going to affect some buys. But That's a fact. That's a fact, ladies and gentlemen. Um, main events are the – pretty much the reason the mainstream public will buy the pay-per-view they inflate the numbers far more than us people in the mma bubble that's just just the way it is um let's move on over to the uh tough 24 26 excuse me tough 26 cast uh all ladies two men coaching we love the coaches but some of the ladies here uh you made a point that roxanne matafari has a serious chance to become yeah. a world champion in these or at least win this event um and, and become a world champion um since saturday's show since it was announced on the broadcast and we got to see who's on there a lot of it was who who's this uh-huh. meanwhile we're hoping that People like Joanne Calderwood could have got on the show. Uh, maybe an Alexa Grasso. Um, Beck Rawlings would have been uh, one that was fantastic. I had a brain fart, for those who don't know, ladies and gentlemen, on, uh, regarding uh, Beck Rawlings. I was Because I've interviewed her before, 
And we, we can make the jokes that I'm only 5'7". And when I was looking up at her, interviewing her, I'm like, there's no way she makes 115. This, she's, a, she's a Bantam weight. So I had a brain fart. Anyways, uh, I'd love to see her on the show, but it ain't going to happen. Page, Paige Van Zant, who is going to fight Jessica I at 125. I am a fan of them giving Jessica I another fight at, uh, at 125 because she, is, she just is that girl, too big for 115, too small for 135, but – uh, I think that Paige Van Zandt is very underrated. I'm glad they're booking that fight, though. Uh, Paige has had some time off since that loss to Michelle Watterson. But let's look at this cast. And uh, I researched all of them, guys. Here we go. We're going to run through it. Ariel Beck is a former boxer who competed for the Legacy FC title, uh, lost a split decision to fellow cast member Rachel, Rachel Ostevich. If I get some of these names wrong, you all are just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> This is going to be a recurring theme, Joe. Four and four as a pro has lost three of her last four. Shayna Dobson turned pro 15 months ago, two and one with her only wins against O&O fighters. Uh, Sajara Eubanks, she has a pretty good uh, grappling background and has faced some solid uh, competition, but has some trouble with people that she can't finish. And she's 32 years old, lost two of three, and is two and two, another 500 fighter. The aforementioned Rachel Ostevich is 26 years old and is the kind of girl the UFC would like to push. If you Google her, you'll see why. She is also Hawaiian. That ain't going to hurt. Uh, her. She trains with her father, brother, and husband, which usually raises red flags to me, but her husband's not a bad fighter himself, and if they ever do an event in Hawaii, I would imagine he's going to get a call himself. Uh, three and three as a pro, but had a promising amateur career where she went 6-0. and oh. Melinda Fabian, four and three, all of her wins via submission against inexperienced fighters. Uh, she fights out of Budapest. Kareen Javorgian, three and two pro, dropped two of three. All three fights are submission wins, but she does have some solid trips, throws, ground and pound. She likes to get inside and drag people down. Uh, Montana Stewart is one that I think people should look out for. She is 22 years old, five foot seven. I think she has a big future ahead of her. She could be the Rose Nama Yunus of this season who maybe peaks at the right time, gets into the finals. Maybe she wins, maybe she loses, but uh, she's a 7-4 and four pro with losses to Mackenzie Dern, Cynthia Cavillo. Christina Marks is an 8-8 eight and eight pro, uh, changed the record. She has won her last three. She's had trouble against advanced talents like Sarah McMahon, Colleen Schneider, uh, Sarah Delalio, uh, Alexis Dufresne. She's fought for over eight years. She's 5-6, so that's... That's pretty tall for this crop of girls. Not the tallest, though. Nico Montano, 3-2 and two pro, 5-0 and oh as an amateur. She's coming off a loss. Uh, she can finish a fight's submission or TKO. That is a very underrated aspect of her game because a lot of these girls just don't finish uh, with strikes, whether on the ground or on the feet. Emily Whitmire, 26-year-old, 2-1 and one pro, 4-4 four and four amateur. How does it happen? I don't know. Jillian Robertson, 22 years old, 3-2 and two as a pro, but 9-1 and one as an amateur. That stood out to me. Uh, just turned pro last year, competed and lost against Cynthia Calvillo. One has to wonder if Calvillo will make the move. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply this division as well uh robertson trains at att in florida maya stevenson married to joe daddy stevenson six and four pro with five straight wins all via finish but uh all these wins i think came at in gladiator challenge so what does it really mean i don't know roxanne modafferi uh this is a girl who joe looked like she should have retired after tough 18 in the finale but she didn't, and I thought that was a bad idea at the time. She shut everybody up. I can't. I don't think anybody expected the career revitalization that she has experienced in her 30s at that. She went to syndicate and like just, just changed her life. It, she's went six and two since leaving the UFC. She's five foot eight. That is going to be something if she uses her reach, five foot eight at 125 is a nice tool to have. Deanna Bennett. 32 years old, 8-3 and three pro with wins over Jennifer Maya and Juliana Pena. Fought across three weight divisions. That record looks really impressive, Joe, until you realize that she's lost three in a row. Yep. At 32, that's, that's a question mark for me. Those last two were via split decision. Lauren Murphy, 34-year-old, former Invicta Bantamweight champion, who came to the UFC, lost three of four, hasn't fought in over a year. But this job, this this show, I think saved her job. I think that's the reason they they held on to her. I think that's why she's there. Barb Honchak, I think she is the biggest question mark. And when I'm saying that this woman is the biggest, uh, a former Invicta champion is the biggest question mark out of this cast, yeah, that's really saying something because this entire cast is composed of nothing but question marks, like. Super Mario Brothers are running around banging their heads on the little question mark things, and out pops one of these girls. They don't get coins. They get a tough 26 cast (laughs) member popping out. That's what happens. But she won the Invicta Championship, then never fought again. She got stripped due to inactivity. Great resume behind her, but how much of it matters with three years on the shelf? She probably had the highest career peak out of any – fighter on this cast like i don't know that any fighter achieved the heights of this woman and they were really in in that yeah ole sammy ole (laughs) sorry the champion is in another castle that's how i feel i'm sitting here looking at this cast saying how did zoila frosto not get on here how did kelly cobalt not get on here i know they tried out they were there how did they not get on this show even if they they were no good anymore you got to throw them on there like People forget Tara LaRosa and Tanya Evinger lost their opening round fights to get into the tough house a few years ago. It's, man. When you look at what was the, the fighters that were selected, considering the fighters that were available, considering the angle the production team and the UFC could have gone with for the show, the real big question mark is why? Why were these fighters selected? What what are we missing? Because clearly we are missing uh, a fair amount here. Why? It makes no sense to me because there were fighters that you could have 
that are on the roster or that are not on the roster that are that I think are better fighters that you could have brought on the show and really built up names that you're going to keep in the UFC. What is the point of promoting 16 women on the show when do you want to say 50 to 75% of them are not going to be on the UFC roster when it's all said and done? And I'll say this, you're going to see a lot of these records, these unimpressive records because these women can't make a living doing this right now. Correct. They are struggling to get maybe 2K per fight if they're lucky. If they're lucky, they're getting 2,000 a fight. And that's if they win. So uh, to that, I understand it. It's hard to commit your life to something where you're, you're, if you're lucky, you get four to $6,000 a year for it and taxes, trainers, gym fees, all that stuff. It's, it, it's tough. It's well, tough. We'll see what happens. That, that, I mean, that cast sucks. Yeah. It's, it's, I guess, Sean, what we have to really do is kind of give – we don't have to, but we have no choice but to give uh, the UFC um, and the producers from Fox the benefit of the doubt. Let's see what they can do because I've been a part of situations where I've been screwed around at interviews uh, and went back to sports then and said, Jesus, man, I had this one promoter or this one guy come into the shot while I'm t- trying to interview Chuck Liddell and blah, blah. They're like, Joe, don't worry. We'll figure out a way to make chicken shit or, or chicken salad out of chicken shit. Don't worry. And and some way, somehow, they do because they're going to have plenty of footage. I don't think it's going to be great MMA footage. We'll see what happens. Now, unless all these cast members are, are, are prepared to just stick out some way in terms of just being dramatic uh, or just being crazy in the house where it's going to give them ratings. Get it. I understand that. But in the end, we want to see fighters. It'd be great to have fighters. Calvillo would have been fantastic on the show. Cynthia would have been amazing on the show. But take a look at some of the fighters that, 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 that could have been on the show here. You could have had some real names coming out of the show. But I don't know if we're going to have it just yet. We're going to have to watch it. And I can tell you right now, even if they brought in those other names, Sean, how many mainstream viewers would have tuned in to watch Joanne Calderwood? Yeah, that's that's a big question too. So they're probably just like, and they they ain't gonna pay all those girls, yeah, to appear on the show. Not what they need. Mm-hmm. So that that's a big issue as well. But I don't think it would have cost cost them a lot of money just to add Kelly Cobald or Zoila Frost, so a couple of girls who at least have a better background than almost every single one of these girls. Yeah, it's um. All I can say is we've got to just give them the benefit of the doubt, and we'll see what happens from there. Um, John Jones. Yeah. John Jones says he would like to work with Daniel Cormier. All of a sudden, he's taking his arch nemesis and turning him into this, what I guess you could say his best friend, his mentor, uh, his, his not a protege, but you know what I'm saying with that. So weird. It's so weird. You know, it's it, and, I, and I've said it before. I keep telling you guys and listeners and viewers to the Holy Smokes podcast and our post events on Saturday nights. I can't figure out John Jones, man. I never know which angle because every time you ha- he has his believing, he's changed or he's gone this way or he's gone that way. He flips a script on us. I guess the unpredictability is his predictability. Yeah, like it's unusual to say the least. To say the least, the whole situation is like very 2011 of him, 2010 maybe. Like we're seeing that old stuff. Like he's going to start helping grannies across the street and stuff, and he feels bad for Daniel Cormier. I don't believe it. 
I don't believe it. And I think he knows that a lot of us don't believe it, and he likes that a lot of us don't believe it. Is he for real? Is he genuine here? I, well, most of me says no. Part of me says yes. Because you just never know with John Jones. Maybe he had an epiphany. And he said, you know what? Got to clean this up. I never want to go back to where I was before. Uh, or I never want to go back to being that nobody who was the world champion and lost everything and all those sponsors and blah, blah. Maybe I got to be a good guy. Maybe I got to clean up my act. Maybe I got to do this. But honestly, you know, I don't know if I believe it. I could see John getting in trouble again some way, somehow. Yeah. Hmm. It was, it was, it was definitely like the whole, I would love for us to work together thing. Maybe he, maybe he would because Daniel Cormier did pretty well those first couple of rounds. And especially considering how well Daniel Cormier did at heavyweight, maybe that's his motive, but I don't know. I, do you think that Daniel Cormier is too proud of a guy to let that happen? I think so. I think so. I think he, I mean, it's, I don't know if it, you tell me, was it disdain that he had for John Jones? Because John Jones is that blemish that will always be on his record, will always be the guy that he just could not beat. He's the only guy he wanted him to beat. And I maintain, and I know it's my personal opinion, that if he would have defeated John Jones, there was a serious chance he would have hung up the gloves, whether or not there would have been a trilogy fight. Now there won't be a trilogy fight, or per se, the odds of a trilogy fight happening are extremely rare. So John or Daniel Cormier might be like, you know what, nah, dude, no, no, I, I, it's it's you're, you're 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 that black hole in my heart, man. I can't do it. What do you make of John Jones saying that a third fight is possible? I mean, to me, yeah. If if Joseph Benavidez entertains the idea of fighting Demetrius Johnson a third time, then Daniel Cormier can entertain the idea of fighting John or John Jones a third time because that's at least a pay per view draw and they. You know, they did that again tomorrow. It, they The rumor is 850K. I think it's a little bit more than that based on what I'm hearing. But I think they would do 600K, 700K, even for a third fight. Yeah, the number would be lower because when you take a look at the fact that John's already beat him twice. And Daniel Cormier, in my opinion, can he get that third title shot? Of course, Or can he get a shot at that title again? Yes. But he would have to win two or three times. You know, even if he comes back in his next fight and finishes his opponent in dominant fashion, it will raise one eyebrow. He'll have to come back and fight a second time against somebody else and finish them again. That raises a second eyebrow. In the meantime, John would have to defend his title at least once or twice, and then people will be like, hmm, okay. Maybe, you know, because the UFC could easily promote the fact that if you watch that first or that second fight, DC was doing damn well. He was winning that fight. You can make the argument he was winning on the scorecards until a high kick landed, and it was game over. Yeah, I, I never felt like the fight was out of John Jones's hands, though, at any point. So uh, that, that's that, that's something that I kind of had in my mind too. But Daniel Cormier seems to think that he's going to come back and he's going to be back. So I, I hope he continues fighting. I want to see him continue fighting. I think that he knows that pay per view draws aren't where they are uh, or they were a year ago. UFC needs him. To a degree, because if he fights somebody at heavyweight, that that'll add a few. Like, hey, you put that's where that third Dan- fight could take place, Sean. Yeah, hey, you put Daniel Cormier versus Junior Dos Santos on a UFC pay per view. That's a co-main event, my friend. That is a he- 
you know what, it, on a Fox show, that's a main event. But they're not going to do that. That is a solid co-main event that if an, an event gets like a title fight falls off, you promote that to the top of the card and people will say, okay, maybe I'll still buy that card. Yeah, but if anything, I think that third fight, if it's going to happen, all depends on what the trajectory is for DC's career. Will he go to heavyweight? Will he, re- will he remain at 205 pounds? I would like to see him go to heavyweight, right? Um, no more towel gate. Never have to worry about towel gate. He just has to go there, show up. Just don't be 265 pounds and see how he does uh, against some of the big boys in the UFC. And, you know, I- I'm a firm believer the migration of John Jones will eventually take place where he's going to go above 206 pounds. I think he wants to be a heavyweight champion one day. Um, you know, there's a mini fight, Stipe Miocic one day, who knows? But right now, um, you know, he's, he's fine at 205 pounds until he realizes, mm, the competition here, hmm, let me see what it's like being a big yeah. boy and see what happens. He's still young. His body can easily fill out. And we all know weight's cutting sucks. So, well, his age at light heavyweight and his age, like 38 at heavyweight, different, two different stories. For DC, I'm talking for Jones, though. Oh, right? for Eventually. Jones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Jones is a puppy in the heavyweight division. Right. 30 eventually, years old. Eventually, he's not going to be. Yeah, that, that's true. But, yeah, Jones has this, he has more options than anybody realizes. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I guess the question off the top of this topic or this segment was, is he being genuine? I don't know, man. It's flipping a coin. I don't, I, I've, I've lost track of... John Jones being genuine and trying to understand what his, his, you know, motive is, you know, mm-hmm. what's his operating style here. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's, you know, every time I believe he's going one way, he flips a script on all of us. <laughs> right. So it is what it is. We'll just have to continue to pay attention to the story uh, and see exactly where it goes. One story I think that does not have any legs whatsoever. Um, despite the argument that many people have made that Randa Marcos did defeat Alexa Grasso uh, in Mexico. Randa wants to appeal the decision. She ain't going far with this one, son. Yeah, I agree. I don't get it at all. Like, I don't even think you can overturn that. Like, I don't think it's (laughs) in the bylaws that you can do that based on her claim. It's just bad. I put it on the topic list because, you know, I had Randa Marcos winning. I had Rashad Evans winning, and not many others agreed with that. I actually got a hate tweet in regards to it. Also, um, I had the other decision earlier on the show didn't agree with that, but I don't think there was like some systematic corruption or something involved. Like, I just think it or a few calls I didn't agree with. I feel bad for Randa Marcos because she couldn't win fight of the night because of Alexa Grasso, and that sucks. That sucks that her opponent missed weight and cost her $50,000. That is a bummer. It does suck because she needs the money. She could use the money. Who doesn't, who can't use the money, but she's, she was in dire straits. She had a hard time even starting, you know, starting up this camp. So she definitely deserves, she deserved the 50 K should have got it. Didn't get absolutely sucks, but we'll see what happens with the story. Again, I don't think there's any legs on it because realistically speaking, I mean, as silly, uh, and potentially as preposterous, uh, I'm just trying to say it again. As silly as it sounds, every fight technically could be reviewed if it's close. If there's any sort of situation where there's a there's a uh, a judge's decision that should have went the other way, a split decision, and blah, blah. How many times have we seen judges' decisions go 30-27 one way, 30-27 another way, yeah. 29-28 in the middle? Whoa, right? 
but the commissions don't have the uh, the the staff or don't have the funds to sit there and look at all those fights. But you can make an argument that so many fights in MMA could be rejudged by watching a monitor. Turn the volume down and watch your monitor and make a determination because what happens live is completely different than when you've got beautiful camera angles changing all the time because the director is saying this angle, that angle, this angle, go to two, go to three, go to four, back to two. You can see the different things of, of what's happening in a fight. When you're a judge and if that damn fight happens 30 feet across from you for the most part, you know, and you're trying to sit there trying to see if that submission is on, if it's even a submission, referees walking in front of you, it, it's hard to judge from that one judge's perspective. So you can make the argument that so many mixed martial arts fights could be rejudged. It ain't going to happen. So I don't know what Random Marcos thinks is going to happen in Mexico. So we'll see. Somebody asked uh, what we think of Jack Hermanson. Uh, we talked about it on the post-Mexico show, post-UFC Mexico show. That is over on FightfulPods.com. You mentioned there was nothing to the Random Marcos thing. Also nothing to the Cyborg WWE thing. That is just something that her and Becky Lynch have cooked up. Uh, our boy Elias <laughs> responded to a tweet of Chris Cyborg saying, I think there's something about pro wrestling that uh, Cyborg doesn't know. And Cyborg says, I know I can't punch closed fist. I no worry about Becky Lynch armbar. I just worry a little about her four-legged clover. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there are times that I think that Cyborg is just says some ridiculous stuff. But there are times when she is an incredibly endearing human being and calling a figure four leg lock, a four leg clover is maybe my favorite thing ever. It's awesome. That's fantastic. You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. Cause you know what went through my head? I don't know if you ever watched the dog collar match between Greg Valentine and Roddy mm-hmm. Piper. Uh, Greg Valentine, obviously uh, the hammer, he was known for the figure four leg lock. Yeah. Um, actually, I, I mean, the idiot in me can just simply go to Google and type it in. But has anyone ever finished a fight with a figure four in MMA? I don't believe so. I know that well, it's very hard to do because there are multiple ways to lock it on. But one of the ways is you got to do a step over toe hold to do it. And most no, guys, just, not necessarily. You don't have to. You don't have to. I said that's the most prominent way. Yeah. Okay. The yes. Prominent way is a step over toe hold. But there are other ways because I had my catch coach show me one time and it sucks. What I don't like is when they reverse the pressure because i'll tell you this if you reverse the pressure no 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 it doesn't make the other person hurt it hurts even more they yeah. get more leverage to lean back and really apply uh vinnie fernando said that becky uh, or that cyborg wanted becky usada tested don't think that would be an issue uh they don't get much more wholesome than becky lynch <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, so that's man. why I was I was coming up with the um, the wrestling thing there. Uh, I might go back and watch that Greg Valentine. Um, those two guys didn't like each other. Him and Piper didn't well, really like each other. I just got to say, what a sixteenth month, sixteen month stretch for a guy named Jimmy Van to have started a crossover boxing wrestling MMA re- website. Yeah, you think Brock Lesnar to the UFC, Ronda Rousey to WWE, Cyborg trying to get in WWE, McGregor and Mayweather boxing one another like. It's it's remarkable how all that came together, and then everybody across all three of them are failing drug tests over the past year. So it's been a wild ride for the last thirteen months. I'm just trying to look at some of the stuff that's being said here. Uh, yeah, it, it listen. 
uh, Jimmy Van, smart dude, could be ahead of the curve. We'll see what's up uh, as it yeah. takes place. Um, in terms of, of, you know, Randa's not going to get anywhere with this, in my opinion. Uh, there are flyweight women's fights coming up, though. There are. I'm glad. I'm glad to see that. That needed to happen. They need to have a contender right there. But I'll ask you, who do you think is the first contender? Well, it's hard to say until they have the fights. Who do you think is the first contender for the winner of Ultimate Fighter 26 and their championship? Oh, what does Johanna want to do? Right? That's that's the big question. Right? Like, how easy would it for her to be to, to follow in the in the footsteps of Conor McGregor to become a two-division champ? And she will fight every other month. Mm-hmm. She'll flip. Just, I'll defend the 115 title. I'll defend the 125 title. She has no problem doing it. Her Instagram's the best. She always, like, poses, and she just looks mischievous. Like, she has that mischievous grin on her face. Uh, just, like, she's about ready to either, like, go get ice cream or she's about ready to beat the living shit out of somebody. And I can't tell the difference. But she's a gangster, okay? Yeah. When, when Amanda Nunes pulled out of that fight, she freaked. She put a post on social media. She tried to get a hold of Dana White. I'll fight. I'll fight tonight. I don't care. Let's talk to the commission. Can we do this? She's nuts. Yeah. Fearless. Uh, one, a couple more things I wanted to touch on. Nick Diaz saying that he's tired of USADA testing him while he's smoking a bunch of weed. That was a good one. Uh, I, nothing to talk about. Just wanted to mention it. And Ian McCall on yesterday's MMA Hour saying that his whole career is a regret and he doesn't want a Chris Benoit situation. Now, a lot of people still 10 years later equate Chris Benoit's situation to steroids. That ain't what happened. Roid rage is very largely a myth. Like, no, not a lot of science behind that. But what isn't a myth is that he had a pretty effed up head. Like he, uh, one one called it like an eighty year old Alzheimer's patient with dementia was the situation he was in. You know, I, I get it. We we've seen studies where ninety nine percent of investigate of of studied NFL players have some form of CTE, and seventy something percent of all football players do. Well. How about MMA where the goal is to hit somebody in the head? I wonder what that number is going to be. And we're not going to know probably for a very long time because MMA hasn't been around that long. So the issue with, with – it's not necessarily an issue. It's a numbers game, right? Um, the, the purpose of mixed martial arts is to win via knockout and or submission. If not, take the will to win out of your opponent by punishing them. There's many options that you could punish them, albeit punching to the face, the jaw, the chin, is one way of doing it. In MMA, you don't necessarily have to do that. Ask Damian Maya. Okay, uh, many fighters choose not to punch. Sometimes they forget that they're allowed to punch. I can I can give you stories upon stories about my former training partners that when they competed, our jujitsu instructor would yell at them, "Don't worry about passing the guard or, or getting a better position. Punch them first, and watch how fast you can pass the guard." Now in boxing. Boxing, there's one purpose in boxing, right? They wrap the hands up to protect the hands, not to protect the the opponent's face or jaw. It's to throw more punches, okay? Either way, combat sports, yeah, it's it's going to be more predominant as we move forward. And until we see it, I mean, I, we, we've seen Chuck Liddell before, not looking too good in some of his interviews, okay? Luke seems to be much better right now. We've Did he seen- ever, though? Well, yeah. <laughs> Now we see, you know, we, we, you know, most recently in April, Anthony Rumble Johnson says, I ain't taking it anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. We had the recent passing of Tim Haig. 
right? Mm. Um, there, there's so many different angles and stories we can take with this. But, you know. <laughs> do, you, do you know if Tim Haig's family donated his brain? Because I really hope they did. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't checked yet. I hope so. I, I really, really hope. That's that's one that needs to happen. Oh, gosh. We got to mention Takayama. That is heartbreaking situation. I don't know if you've heard about that yet. Takayama? No. Paralyzed after a wrestling accident that happened earlier this year and uh, surgery and recovery didn't go quite as well. I mean, MMA fans, come on. we They know Takayama from the Don Fry fight. One of the yeah. greatest first minutes of a fight that you will ever see in the history of your life. And he doesn't get the respect he deserves within pro wrestling either. He's one of like I think maybe two guys who has held the IWGP, GHC, and All Japan's Triple Crown Championship in his career. But, you know, it, it's most people today don't know him as a pro wrestler, like on, on a grand scale. They know him from collar and elbow with – or not collar and elbow, just <laughs> collared up with Don Fry yep. slugging it out. Like Us Canadians call that a good old hockey fight. The greatest moments in Pride history, in my opinion. Yep. We, I, I'm telling you, every Canadian that has ever seen that fight just looked at it and went, "Wow!" All the only difference is it's not on ice because yeah. that's a hockey fight. You know, hockey fight. You're taught there. There are hockey fighting schools. I don't know if you ever heard of that, Sean, but there are hockey really? fighting. Yeah, there are hockey fighting schools that you know it changes as it evolves. But in essence, the main thing for a hockey fight is when you know a you want to try and keep your helmet on. Don't be a tough guy. Take your helmet off. Keep your helmet on. Now there's fines if you take your helmet off. But in essence, you know, in boxing, how you stand up with your elbows in, you protect your chin with your one hand, and you, you got to make sure you know where your jab is. In uh-huh. hockey, the whole goal was to try and reach over as quickly as you can to reach over the neck and grab the jersey, and then as you punch, you bring the jersey in and you bring your opponent's face in, and that's basically the collar up and the tie up that Fry had with them. And they would just behind, and they would just go and go and go. And in hockey, it's whoever goes down first. Yeah, see Phoenix, you're right. Dirty boxing. That's all it basically is. So uh, I've been there. I've seen some of the classes, and I'm like, this is crazy. Uh, I've seen double legs, double leg takedowns happen with skates. That's scary. Uh, some fighters with MMA training doing that. But it, listen, man, it, it, it's that that fight was fantastic. Sad news to hear, obviously. Uh, but you know, what can you do? I'm a big fan of the movie The Goon. I haven't but seen it yet. I can't Sean believe Williams Scott. The sequel's already been out in Canada for a while, but yep. I can't wait to see that. But that, that's a, that's one hell of a movie. That, that movie is, uh, in my opinion, an incredibly underrated film. Yeah. But I got soccer stories for you for, for these six-year-olds that I coach. I, I yeah. just got into soccer this year. Like, yeah. FC Cincinnati's big, and I play it for cardio sometimes. Like, it's it's – Yep, I got I Toronto love soccer because you you ain't got to be rich to play it. You can you find a ball and you're good to go. Yep, I got the Toronto. I got tickets right there for the Toronto FC game on Saturday. Uh, it's the uh, association that I coach for with my son. Uh, we're all going out there. We got two massive sections. Uh, a lot of the kids will be walking out with the Toronto FC players uh, and their opposition. My son will be in the tunnel high fiving uh, all the players. Should be fun. Uh, but I got to tell you, man, soccer's the real deal. These these guys don't mess around. Uh, the, it's very systematic, extremely cheap to play in comparison to hockey and or football. Baseball's not overly expensive. It is, but the training that these guys get as they become more select uh, or rep teams, it is absolutely no joke. But yeah, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Glad to see that you're into soccer. 
because I love soccer. Obviously, yeah, I'm getting I'm getting into it. I had a friend who played college soccer, D1 soccer, at my college, and she had torn her ACL twice, and then in her fifth fifth senior year, basically, she tore her meniscus. Ah. And I went and checked out her game, and I watched her play like I watched her play like 75 percent of the game with a torn meniscus. It was incredible. The game was great. This whole this area is soccer crazy right now because of FC Cincinnati, and there there's a push for them to get an MLS. And I think they will. Yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I love it. I yeah, getting getting to be a big fan of soccer, still learning the rules and stuff. But yeah, well, I, I need it. I need you and everybody in the live chat right now. Unfortunately, those listening in on iTunes and afterwards, I apologize. You won't be able to answer this question, but I expect everybody on the live chat right now and my co-host to basically. Tell me if I'm a douchebag or not. <laughs> so I've been recruited uh, to coach next year's uh, under 17. Excuse me, under 18. Because an under 8 in soccer is when they basically, it's considered rep soccer. Right now it's house league, the little bumblebees, Sean, and they're all following each other. And they notice that my team, my son's team, doesn't play that way. I have these six-year-olds. I've got two defensemen. I've got two midfielders. And I've got two forwards with a goalie and we're winning every game because I have them teaching you do not go after the ball if someone else anyways long story short they've recruited me my son happens to be a lazy ass and part of the so yeah so he's he's great on the field can relate yeah (laughs) he's fantastic on the field he's very aggressive he knows how to time his tackles he scored some amazing goals this year that have had parents on both teams kind of be like whoa yeah that's that's Joe's son but he has to do six keep-ups tomorrow if he can't do six keep-ups with his knee he may not may not make the rep team and i said that's horseshit because six keep-ups you don't do keep-ups in a freaking game okay you, you you learn how to play soccer properly whether it's positionally i know it's at a young age we teach him a bunch of things so they asked me listen we want you to coach i said i'm not coaching a rep team if my son doesn't have a chance to make that team because i've got to coach his house league team there's only so much time I'm showing on Joe, the host of Holy Smokes podcast. I'm busy. <laughs> okay. Now you want me to coach? Let me, if it's going to be my team, let me take a look at who the players are because I can give you a list of 15 players that I've seen throughout the year that can make this team. And I bet you none of them, maybe two of them could do six keep ups. So I told them I'm not coaching next year unless there's a fair tryout, including my son who just wants to play soccer and not keep the ball up in the air six times. Am I a douche for saying that? Maybe. It's hard to say in uh like it's really hard to to establish unless you're there and you hear the tone. That was professional. They just want me to coach. Uh, the other parents and the other teams are like, we want the we want that TV guy to be the coach. He should be coaching our kids. Yeah. Okay. Right? Sure. You want what's best for them. Yeah, I do. I want them to be great. I want them to I, be I want what's best for our viewers, and what's best for our viewers is going to Fightful.com. We've got exclusives. We have podcasts, photos, videos. We have FightfulPods.com, which hosts all of our podcasts from this one to our old ones with Shane Helms, Sean Pearson, Elias Theodoru, Matt Riddle, Vince Russo, tons of them. we got all kinds of exclusives at Fightful.com. I guarantee you more exclusives than you'll find at any other website uh, like 14 months old. You ain't going to find any like that anywhere else. Um, live coverage of every event, forums for you all to talk about virtually anything, live discussion as well. I love these two flagship shows in particular, the, the Lifts in Your Boy on Wednesdays, 
Holy Smokes MMA on Tuesdays. This Friday, I'm bringing a members-only podcast. You will only be able to see it as a member of Fightful.com uh, with guest David Bixenspan. We're going to talk about one of my former places of employment. Also, uh, his great coverage of the Hulk Hogan Gawker case. Like Nobody like sniffed coming as close to as how good as he covered it. And we have live New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 coverage this weekend leading up to the finals. And maybe I'll have to slip in a podcast somewhere or maybe add to the end of the Raw podcast. I don't know. But that's what we got, Joe. That's what we got. Yeah, excited. Got to figure out what I'm going to write about tomorrow because you've got one of my articles that will be posted uh, this week. I'll add another one. So there'll be some double Showdown Joe content there. There will be no Fun Bets article this weekend. Uh, so we'll have to come up with another topic. I will leave, uh, and I've got the video to do on Thursday. So I'd like uh, anyone and everyone just pay attention to the social media at Showdown Joe. When I throw out that question, you probably got an hour, an hour and a half to give me a reply. It doesn't take 150 characters or whether it's on Facebook or on Instagram, whatever it is, I will throw it out there. What questions, uh, last week's question was absolutely hilarious. They want to know if beer was in my intermittent fasting. So I had to address that, but uh, I'd like to get three to four questions from the fan base, from anyone here in the live chat to determine what we will talk about. What do you want me to rant on? What do you want me to bitch about? Uh, And thank you to everyone who said I'm a part douche, but not not a part douche. Thank you. I appreciate it on the live chat. No, they won't pay me, Miss M. I ain't getting paid. I don't want to get paid. It's it's for the love of my son and for the love of the game. Uh, If I start getting into the teenagers and it becomes more of a full-time thing, well, let's negotiate because I know some dudes that are getting paid big money to coach or be technical directors. So your boy wants to get paid. If you want me to do a job that people get paid at, sorry. I still got, I got offers to do commentary for free again and it ain't happening. And it was, uh, yeah, during a pretty big weekend too. Either way, follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow him at showdown. Joe, follow us cross platform, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at fightful online. You can also follow at fightful wrestle and fightful MMA. Guys, subscribe, thumbs up. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Till next time. We're out.